Hey, why don't you open your Bible to Psalm chapter 1, if you have one. I'm going to use this as the kind of the foundation uh, of the message tonight. And the title of this message is Walking in the Will of God. If you're taking notes, you can write that down. Walking in the Will of God. We're in this series, like I said, called I Have Decided. It's all about the spiritual disciplines. That is, the things that we would incorporate in our spiritual life that would either draw us closer to God or that would be the natural outflow of our relationship with God. Um, And we must remember in any discipline, in any um, action that we do in order to, to bring ourselves before God, that it's not the action itself that produces change or growth in us. It's that these actions, these disciplines simply put us in a place and a posture where God can do his work in us. That's what they are. It's not us doing the work. It's us putting ourselves before the throne of God so he can do the work. Okay? So last week was prayer and fasting. If you missed that, check it out online. Both messages are up. This week is the, is the spiritual discipline of guidance, guidance. So we're going to look at this discipline of guidance through the lens of the will of God, knowing the will of God, walking in the will of God. I think uh, it's probably a subject that most of you resonate with. What is the will of God for my life? How do I know it? How do I do it? How am I empowered to accomplish it? And so we're going we're gonna, to uh, jump right in here to Psalm chapter 1 together. This is what it says. Blessed is the man who walks, walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. This man, this person is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and in all that he does he prospers." The wicked are not so. They are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way, the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. A psalm, this inaugural psalm that's talking about essentially two people, one that's blessed by God, one that's not blessed by God, one that is listening to the counsel of the wicked and the counsel of the sinners and walking in that way, and one who is listening to and loving and delighting in the law, the counsel of God, the will of God, the heart of God, all things that come from God, listening to that and walking in that way. So I'm going to pray, and, uh, and then we're going to jump into this. So would you please uh, bow your hearts with me, and let's pray together. Lord, we came here tonight to meet with you. I know that nobody came here or is listening on Facebook to to listen to Craig Brown, and so we ask, Holy Spirit, that it be your words that are heard uh, tonight, that you would do what only you can do in the hearts of men and women, that you would bring supernatural change, that you would bring healing, that you would bring deliverance, and tonight, for this subject matter, Lord, that you would begin to reveal to us your will that we could walk in your ways, your desires, your heart for us, that we could accomplish all that you've called us to in this life. Lord, we are, we are yours, heart and soul. We wanna follow you. We wanna do your desires. We don't wanna just work for our, our own way and our own will and our, out of our own flesh, but we wanna submit ourselves fully and completely to you, God. So would you teach us to do that and empower us to do that in Jesus' name? Amen. So there was this, um, from what I understand, he was a shy, very shy director in Hollywood back in the 70s. 
And he was kind of like a nerdoid, you know what I'm saying? Like kind of a, a dweeby type guy. And uh, he was super shy, and, but he had produced this film that, that had gained some momentum for his reputation. And even though he was a director, he was also a, a writer, and he wrote his own movie script that he just was in love with. But apparently nobody else was in love with it. He presented this movie script to multiple producers, and everybody thought that it was childish. They thought that the genre, nobody liked the genre. It was the sci-fi genre, and they thought, nobody's into this, and this script is horrible. And so he went to person after person, and he got rejected until finally one producer picked him up. And this is, this is true. This producer even said, I, I don't even really like your script, but I want you to produce movies for me in the future, so I'm going to hire you to do this. And so he gave him a minimal budget for the time, uh, like a shoestring budget to produce this film. And, and everything about the production of this film was not going well. The first week of filming, this, this, this storm apparently destroyed all these props and all these things. They had to go to old movies and take uh, costumes and props from old places. And it, it just was, it was horrible. Even the, even the actors, the unknown actors at the time didn't even like the movie themselves. <laughs> apparently... The, the producer almost had, I mean, not the producer, the, this director almost had a, a, a nervous breakdown from the anxiety of trying to produce this thing. It, it came out later than it was supposed to. They gave him literally, but from what I understand, literally the worst day of the calendar year to release the movie, May 25th, and they only released it in 35 theaters across the entire nation. Everybody was telling him that this thing was going to be horrible. Everything was coming against him, but he wouldn't give up. He knew what he needed. He knew what he wanted to do, and he was going to do it. And so even though they only released it in 35 theaters, uh, word got out that you really need to see this film. And everybody did see this film. And that was the beginning of the Star Wars uh, Star Wars I mean, dynasty, really. And so George Lucas, I don't know if you knew this or not, but he, nobody believed in him. They thought this thing is going to be, this is going to be a horrible kids film that nobody's going to watch. But he knew what he wanted to do. And I'll just say this, that Lucas Films sold for $4 billion a few years ago. In the box office, they sold $7 billion worth of tickets over the years. $6 billion worth in uh, at-home movies and rentals. $17 billion in toys. Raise your hand if you have a Star Wars toy at home. $3 billion in other sales. The total Star Wars franchise is worth $42 billion. And they just released a movie like a few weeks ago that I haven't seen yet, so don't tell me what happens. So good, so good. I know, I heard. And this is just one example. You've probably heard many, many examples of, of those people that like, they know what they're called to do. They know what they're supposed to do. They know, and no matter what comes against them, no matter who's telling them it's a horrible idea, no matter who's, or what's happening, the storm's coming, or there's no money or whatever, they just know what they're supposed to do, and they do it. No matter what sort of dark Sith Lord devil is telling you not to produce your thing, they just, he knew what he was going to do, and he did it, and it was a success. And as amazing as this example of business that $42 billion and all that, the truth is 
This example really does not come, who cares about Star Wars? When it comes to knowing the will of God for your life and what you're supposed to do is so much more important than all this. This is just one example of somebody that knew what he was supposed to do, at least in his heart. I don't, I don't know if that was from God or not. It really doesn't matter. He knew what he wanted to do, and no matter what came against him, he did it. And I wonder, as Jesus followers, if we know what God wants from us, if we know what his will is for us, let alone have the courage to fulfill it no matter what comes against us. My guess is, if you're anything like me, that you desperately desire to know God's will. I don't know if you've ever asked God, what do you want from me? Maybe it's the big things in life. Maybe it's the, it's the, what, are the what career would you have me go into? You know, you're, you're entering into college or, and you're, or you're coming out of high school and you're thinking, what should I do? What, what does God want from me? And, and if, you're a, if you're a Jesus follower, it's not just a decision that you want to make on your own, but there's a sincere desire in you to, to do what God wants for your life. Like, what, what am I here for? What am I sucking air for on this earth? And, and so you're thinking, you're seeking God for the big things in life. What career should I have? Should I marry this person or not marry this person? Should we move to this place or that place? Should, should I move to Texas or stay in Coeur d'Alene? And there's these big decisions in our life that, that we seek God for his will. And we're saying, God, what is your will for me? And then there's other sort of maybe medium-sized things that we seek God for. You know, should I, should I stay in this job that I'm in right now and it's a stable income, or should I quit this job and start that business that I've been dreaming of? Should I ask this person to marry me? Should I, should I, should I leave my kids in that school? Is bullying normal? Is there, is, there, is there a situation that they're in with their peers and going down this road? Is that just normal? Should I pull them out? Should I homeschool them? Should I, should I put them in a private school? And these, there's so many life decisions. I don't have time to talk through them all, but you know, you know the situations that you face. Some of them are really big. Some of them are sort of medium. And you know, there's the small things. Should, this broken relationship in my life, should I, should I walk away from it or, or should I... Should I reconcile? Should I forgive that person? Should I fight to make this relationship work? Should I take my kids to the dentist? <laughs> Should I pay more money for the healthy food and not have enough money for other things? I mean, there's so many decisions that we have. And if you're anything like me, you probably cry out to God, God, I want to know your will. Why don't you speak to me, God? Just, just speak clearly. I'll do it, whatever you tell me, but just make it clear. And sometimes it seems like we don't get the clear answer and we, we struggle inside because it's like, why, God? It, I know that you want me to do what you want me to do, so why don't you just tell me what that is? And sometimes it's hard to know. Sometimes it's hard to know exactly what his will is for us, whether it's a big thing or a small thing. And then sometimes when we do know it, it's hard for us to walk it out. This psalm is, is talking about essentially two people. Two people that are receiving counsel. He said, blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor, nor associates with sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, and I think that the way that many of the Psalms are written is that it, it goes without saying that blessed is the man that then takes counsel 
from the godly, takes counsel from the righteous. You see, what, what, in this particular psalm, what, they're, what he's contrasting is counsel gained from wicked people, counsel gained from the ungodly people, uh, de- deciding what you should do based on, on that way of life or deciding what you should do based on the law of the Lord, the heart of God, the ways of God, Whatever it is that God would have for his people, his commandments for us, do we, do we decipher what God's will is based on his law and his way and his heart and his word, or do we decide what we're going to do based on either our own flesh or the counsel of wicked people? And it, and it, and it lines out the outcomes of, of what's going to happen based on who we gain our counsel from, based on what we delight, what we love. Do we love the law and the commandments of God, or do we despise them? Do we love what other people tell us and what wicked people tell us or what the sinful say? Do we love what's, what's promoted to us all throughout Hollywood and television, or do we, do we put that up against the law of God? Do we put whatever we hear on TV up against what God's word says? And the outcome of this, uh, this life is to listen to one of these two sources, to live, to walk it out, and the outcome, according to the word of God, is that those that love the, the law, the desires, the heart of God, and they walk in it, they're going to be like a tree planted by rivers of living water. They're going to they're gonna bear fruit in season. They're going su- to succeed. They're going to be blessed in all their ways. They're going to be able to stand in the final day at the judgment before God. They're going to be welcomed into his kingdom, whereas those Those that don't listen to the counsel of God, they're not going to be able to stand. Who do you get your counsel from? Do you love what God says? Do you seek desperately after his voice? John 10 says, my sheep will know my voice. spoke with somebody and uh, they had been to Africa where people still shepherd and sh- she said I was blown away there is a watering hole and all these shepherds teenage shepherds by the way I think that's the way it was back in the in the scriptures but all these shepherds and all these sheep around this watering hole she said I was blown away because this this shepherd would walk away and then and then call out their voice and these these sheep would just come from a mix the group and just start following and walk It's like sheep literally know their shepherd's voice. The scripture says in John 10, you won't even recognize the voice of another. And so how do we know God's voice? And and I'm, I'm prompted to ask myself, do I recognize, like, recognize and honor the voice of the evil one in my life? Do I recognize the voice of the world and, and all the things that it tells me to think of myself and the things to do and the things to pursue? Or do I, do I not even recognize those voices? Do I just recognize the voice of my Savior, Jesus? Do I hear his voice only? Do I hear the voice of the Holy Spirit only and walk in that way? And, and if we're honest, sometimes it's hard to decipher exactly what is the voice of God and what is it because we live in a noisy world and we put so many sources in our minds and there's just so much stuff stuff going on. And so of all times in history, we more than probably any people, we owe it to ourselves to decipher, to walk in, like really seek God, what is your voice? This is, by the way, what fasting is good for. It's silencing all the extra voices that are in our world. And it's saying, God, I'm going to, I'm going to deafen my ears to those things and listen to only you. 
I don't have time to talk about the will of God and all the things that scripture says, but I will say this. I looked up the will of God in the New Testament, and it's amazing. It talks about the will of God being done a bunch of times. Like the disciples, they fulfilled the will of God, and they went here. They, the will of God is talked about all the time, but it's, it's amazing. Almost nowhere does it explicitly say what God's will is. It just says that these people did it. I think I only found two, and maybe Dave knows more than me, but they're both in 1 Thessalonians. The will of God explicitly is that you would keep yourself from sexual immorality. hey yo. That's good. It's good to know. That's exactly God's will. In another place, it says that the will of God is to pray continually without ceasing. Other than that, almost nowhere does it say exactly what the will of God is for you. And so we have to search it out. I have only found one place that it says how you will know the will of God. That's Romans 12 where it says, do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to discern what the will of God is, the good, pleasing, and perfect will. When you lay down your life as a living sacrifice, you stop conforming to the world, then you let the Spirit transform you. Who are you getting your counsel from? Your counsel. Is your counsel coming from the world or is your counsel coming from God? And so what I want to do tonight, and this is, I, I, I made a promise last week that every message is going to be practical. This is going to be really practical. If you don't ever take notes, I encourage you to take notes on this part because I really think it will help you. And I can say that because I didn't make it up. It's not from me. But let me just use this analogy. If you could throw this thing up here. Um, if you are trying to gain wealth in this world, then uh, the smartest way that you could go about that is to have multiple sources of income. If you're trying to say save up for retirement, you should have multiple sources. So let's just say that one of your sources of income is to have a job, and the money from that job funnels into your retirement account and your wealth. Go ahead and put the next one up. So you might have your, your job as one source. You might have an I, uh, IRA or 401k that you're putting money into, and eventually one day that savings account or that investment account is going to start funneling into your, your wealth, and that's going to feed you. Put the next one up there. That's going to be two sources. The third source is maybe you, maybe you put some money into real estate and you're getting rental income. And so the money from that is feeding into your wealth account. Put the next one up there, please. Maybe you invested in some stocks or some bonds or something like that. And, and those are going to pay you dividends either now or sometime in life. And that money funnels in the last one. Let's just say that your family has a business. And so that's going to create some income for you. And, and in your own world, maybe you're doing some or all of these or none of these, or hopefully you have a job, but one way or the other, isn't it, isn't it just logical? that if you're trying to build wealth, it would make, in the financial world, they call this a, diver, a div, diversified portfolio. You should have a diversified portfolio because if you just say put your money in stocks, you put all your money in Apple because it's blazing and it's a, all your money in the Star Wars Corporation because it's awesome. If something happens in the Star Wars Corporation and that source of income goes out, then you're just done if that's your only source. But if you have a diversified portfolio, then you have sources of income coming in from multiple different areas, and so you will still sustain a healthy uh, fund of wealth. Does, does this make sense? Okay, we're not talking about money, so you can take that away. When we're talking about making a decision in life, if you could put the next slide up, what most people do to make decisions in life is they make their decision-making uh, process based on one primary thing. Can you guess it? Feelings. What do I feel like I should do? Do I feel like I should move to Texas or stay in Coeur d'Alene? Do I feel like I should do drugs on Friday night? Do I feel like I should go? I mean, 
And this is how the world operates. Do I feel like it? Do I feel like getting a divorce? Do I feel like I'm still in love? Do I, do I feel like it? This is what they do. They, we make decisions based on our feelings. I would say primarily. Now, of course, people aren't, people aren't stupid. And so if, you, if they did another one, just put the second one up there. People do think rationally and they, they think about pros and cons and do things make sense. But, but really, I don't know if you agree with me or not, but I would say really, it's just kind of these two things. Does it make sense and do I feel like it? This is the way that the world makes decisions. But when it comes to the kingdom of God, we make decisions, we seek the will of God a different way. And so I wanna show you five things tonight that I genuinely think will help you when it comes to discerning the will of God. And by the way, feelings didn't make the list. And so the first thing is this. If you want to seek to understand and know the will of God for your life, you want to look for the Logos word or the written word of God. So this is the counsel that we give in our church anytime that somebody comes to us and they're trying to make a major decision in life. We would say, okay, and this is in no particular order, but the first thing you should do, or one of the things that you should do, is start seeking God from his word. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, training, correcting, and rebuking. All scripture is useful to you and is good for you. Now, by the way, the Logos is God's expression of his heart towards humanity, and Jesus himself was the Logos first. The word became flesh, and the word is with us, and the word was God. That's Jesus. Jesus is the Logos first and foremost. But secondly, this written word is God's heart towards us for all time in written form. So if you're trying to make a decision, big or small, I would say start here. Look at what God's will is for you. There's a book that I read in college by Jerry Sitzer. You might want to read it. It's called The Will of God as the Way of Life. And what he points out is that we oftentimes look for God's will in all these, these places and all these uh, big things and speak to me and all this stuff. And, and, and I think that God's heart and his, his argument in this book is that God was saying, I've given you my will, like 2,000 pages of it. Can you just start there? I don't care if you live in Texas or Coeur d'Alene. Be my disciple and love people. That's my will for you. But more than that, specifically when it comes to making a decision in life, seek God from his word. Like actually go to the scripture and pray with eyes and heart saying, God, would you speak to me from your word? Would you speak to me from your word? I believe that our, our first church plant, uh, Joe and Kirsten, they were planted uh, in Arizona out of uh, one of the chapters in Isaiah where they just were reading and they felt like God spoke to them. You could take that down in between, uh, in between each section. They felt like God spoke to them that they're gonna bring fresh water to a desert. And so they felt, at least in part, that that's why they should go to Arizona and, and name their, their church River City in Arizona where there's no rivers because they wanted to spiritually be fresh water to a dry people. And God spoke to them from his word. This church, by the way, if you didn't know, is partially planted out of Deuteronomy chapter eight. You know, Jay and Radine were seeking the Lord, thinking that he's calling them to plant a church, and, and they were reading, and Jay, the way J.O. says is that he's reading Deuteronomy eight one day, and he's just reading it, and this word copper just stands out to him. And he's thinking to himself, that's weird. And, and he went to this wedding and there happened to be a geologist there of all places. And he, and he says to this guy, oh, you're a geologist, that's weird. Where in this region could you find copper? And he said, oh, in the Silver Valley, Coeur d'Alene area. And so uh, J.O. had Ray Dean read this chapter and saying, they just read this chapter, tell me what stands out. And she says, the word copper stands out to me. God speaks through his word. Yeah. 
If you're seeking God for a decision, big or small, go to his word. I read something just this week. Uh, somebody invited Graham Cook in and said, hey, we want you to bring a, a New Year's word to our church. Give us a prophetic word that we can, that we can do this year. He said, did you, do my word, or did you do God's word that was given to you last year? And they said, well, we're still working on it. He said, just repeat that one this year, then I won't come. I'm not condemning anybody, man. There's so much in here. The will of God, the plain as day, clear will of God that you can read for your life every day. And we have it at our fingertips. And then sometimes we go begging to find it somewhere else. It's right here. Seek the will of God. Number two, if you want to make a wise decision in life, uh, it would be wise to have a second funnel feeding into your decision-making process. So the second one is the rhema word. The, we call this the Holy Spirit word. This is the prophetic word. This is the Holy Spirit speaking straight to you. This is, uh, you know, in, in John 16, Jesus says, when I go, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, and he's only going to speak what he hears come from the Father, and he's going to speak right to your heart so you know what to do. I'm going to get back to this one in a minute. So I'm going to move on to number three. Number three would be the peace of God. Philippians chapter four says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now here's the thing about the peace of God. When you're walking in the will of God, you have the peace of God. Even if there's chaos around you, you know that you have the peace of God. And I just wanna say this too because I was just talking with a young man this morning and he was saying, I don't have peace and I'm praying for God's peace and I said, you know what? God gives his peace when we're walking in his will and his way, but he also, not that chaos comes from God because that's not really how he works, but he will let us feel the chaos of our situation if we're not walking in his way in order to show us that we're not in his way. He's not going to just give us peace in a situation where we're not walking in his will and his way. He's going to let us feel the chaos in order that we'll get out of it or repent from it, and then we'll feel the peace when we walk in his way. So he'll use both. He'll use unrest. So I just want to encourage you to think about this. When you're trying to make a decision, even if everybody, everything around you is telling you, this is horrible, but I have the peace of God. I have somebody in my life right now that honestly, she's, she's telling me she wants to do something, and I'm like, ah, that doesn't make sense to me. But she's like, I just feel the peace. And I'm like, okay, I mean, if you have the peace of the Lord, then partial, in part, you need to go with it. But any one of these things by themselves, I'm not saying that they're not going to be perfect. They might, that might be all you need. Only you can discern that. But we have multiple streams of wisdom coming into us so we can make a well-balanced decision. So the third one would be the peace of God. The fourth one would be pros and cons, logic and reasoning. If you want scripture for that, just check out all of Proverbs. I mean, you know... We should be rational people. We should think things through. I just graduated from college with $100,000 in student loans, but I want to move to Mozambique. Well, maybe the Lord's called you to Mozambique, but maybe it's not right now. You should pay off those student loans. I mean, I don't know. I mean, it makes sense. You know, I mean, there's something to just thinking things through, of course. We don't just, well, you know, somebody spoke this word over me, but it, it makes no sense of my life. There's something to it. And by the way, just because God gives you a call and a promise doesn't mean that it's for right now. Sometimes that call is for later, not right now. So you pay off your student loans, then move to Mozambique. I don't know. But here's the other side of the coin. God sometimes asks us to do things that don't make sense. 
So we should think through pros and cons. We should make a T-chart. We should think whether something's logical or not. But you know what? God did call Abraham to leave his home and go to a place that God was going to show him. Come to me today and say, hey, I'm going to move somewhere, but I don't know where yet. I'm just going to go. And I'll say, that doesn't make sense, but God might be asking you to do that. I'm not going to, I can't, I can't promise you he's not, but if you take all the things together, you're going to find the will of God. And the, the fifth one is this. This is really important. I think this is personally one of the most lacking ones in our culture today, and this is the multitude of counsel. The multitude of counsel. This is not just making a decision based on me, myself, and I, whatever I feel like doing, whatever I think the wisdom choice is, and I'm going to do it. Uh, and it's also not, if you're doing this at all, going to other people for their opinion. People love to just give you their opinion. This is what this is. This is going to people that you trust. I would personally choose somebody that's older than you, somebody that's a mentor or a pastor or a leader. I would choose a few peers, maybe some family members, and I would choose some people that maybe you're walking with in life. I would choose a well-rounded group of people, and I would seek them, and I would go up to them, and I would say, hey, I don't want your opinion, but I'm going to ask you something. What I want you to do is I would love to ask you to go and pray on my behalf, and then if you hear anything from God, come back and tell me what you heard, because I'm trying to make this decision in my life. And then submit yourself to that counsel. In the book that we're based in this series on uh, celebration of discipline, the, the author recounts this thing that St. Francis of Assisi did. He says that he was a monk living in a monastery and just basically sitting there and worshiping Jesus. But he started to feel deeply in his heart that people needed to hear the gospel. And so he was torn. It says he was torn in his spirit. Should I stay in the monk and serve God alone, or should I leave the monastery and go about the business of preaching the gospel? And it says this, listen, trusting not his own flesh to make the decision, he sent word to two dear friends, asking them to pray on his behalf, and he waited. And after some time, the messenger came, and he baked them a meal, and he put it before the messenger, and then he said, what does my Lord command me to do? And they said, both people that you had pray came back with this answer. The Lord commands you to go about preaching the gospel. And so he said, okay then, let's go right now. And he left the monastery and he committed his life to preaching the word based on other people's counsel. So this weekend we're preaching, teaching on the, the discipline of guidance. And so I wanna focus just for a minute on two of these. The rhema word of God and the multitude of counsel. The Holy Spirit word of wisdom in your life and the multitude of counsel. If you're trying to make a decision in life, I would highly recommend that you do what almost nobody does, and that is that you would submit yourself under the authority of others. Now listen, I've said this. It's not just one thing that's funneling into your bank of, of decision making. It's not just one. It's not just the word. It's not just the prophetic word. It's just not the pros and cons. It's all of them. And if you, if you seek God in all of them, I believe you can make a wise decision. And the multitude of counsel is one that is particularly beautiful because your flesh, your emotions, your opinion is taken out of the equation. There's something beautiful that happens when we submit ourselves under the authority of other people. I did a little bit of a study that I didn't have time to teach on, but how many times in the scripture does God tell one person to go tell another person what his will is? More often than not. He could have just spoke to 
the, the Israelites in Egypt. He could have just spoke outright to Pharaoh, but he, he wanted to send Moses. He could have just spoke to Paul after Jesus literally spoke to Paul, but he didn't. Jesus showed up to Paul. He was blinded. He said, go to the city, and then he sent Ananias to go speak to Paul. He could have just said it to him, but he didn't. He said, Ananias, I want you to go and tell him what I want you to tell him. I mean, if you study the scriptures, so many times God says something to one person that he wants them to say to somebody else. I think that we need to learn from that. I don't know if you know this or not, but we live in a very individualistic society. And, and we need to recognize that that's not how it's always been. Even though that's normal for us, that's not how it's always been. There's something beautiful about submitting yourself under somebody else's authority. I'll just testify for me. It's one of the greatest choices that I ever made. I was a, a young, prideful theologian in my early 20s that thought I knew everything and judged everybody. And the Lord had to tear me down because that's what he does to pride is he tears it down and he lifts up the humble. And I'm at Heart of the City Church being previously ordained in a different denomination. I'm at Heart of the City Church because I heard the Lord say, Craig, you need to be under the authority of J.O. You need to submit yourself under his authority and learn what it is to be submitted to somebody else. And I just can't express to you how God has used that to change my life. The multitude of counsel. I would, I would really encourage you, again, you're not just asking for people's opinion because people just love to throw their opinion out, but to ask them to seek God on your behalf. The wisdom that will come your way is, is amazing and beautiful. We've got people in this church that would love to do that with you. And then the second thing is this, especially preparing for this next week, is the rhema word, the Holy Spirit word of God. Sometimes this comes directly to us and I would encourage you, if you're trying to make a decision, to seek God, to seek in his word, peace of God, pros and cons, multitude of counsel, but also ask, Holy Spirit, would you speak to me supernaturally? Would you speak to me your word, your heart? Remember, the Holy Spirit's job is to listen to the voice of the Father and to speak it. But the way that God does that oftentimes, again, is through other people. That is called prophecy. Prophecy. If you are not aware of what prophecy is or unfamiliar with it or you have a disdain for it or you just don't understand it or any of the above, I just want to make crystal clear what prophecy is and exactly what's going to take place next weekend. Prophecy is not somebody making up God's will in their own mind and speaking it to you. If they are, that's false prophecy and it's blasphemy. It says that those who prophesy speak as they're carried along by the Holy Spirit. In the same way that the Holy Spirit's job is to hear what the Father is saying and to speak that, the prophet's job is to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying and to speak that. So when we say that we're bringing in prophets for this event called The Sound next weekend, that's exactly what we're doing. We're bringing in people that have submitted themselves under the authority of people to test the words that they speak and submitted themselves under the authority of the Holy Spirit. And they've been tested and trained in the gifting of hearing the voice of God and distributing the voice of God. Okay, there are, if I could put it like this, prophets 
are a, thermost, uh, are a thermometer, not a thermostat, okay? A thermometer just reads the temperature and tells you the truth of what's actually going on. A thermostat changes the temperature and changes the truth. God is the only thermostat. Prophets are merely a thermometer. They're reading what it is that God's saying and they're distributing that truth to you. And so, obviously this message is over and, and I could preach a whole message about that and we, we have some of those online. I would encourage you to go to our podcast uh, and look up maybe a few of the messages that happen in and around January each of the years. One message in particular, I think, especially if you're skeptical about prophecy, I think would help you is a message called, If It's From God. You could listen to that on the iTunes podcast. But I just wanna encourage you with this. I did not grow up in a church like Harvest City. I was very against spiritual things that, like we practice here. And I was very skeptical about the sound my first year at the sound, 2012. If I could just tell this story real quick. In our last building, the kids' nursery was at the back of the sanctuary. Like you had to go through the sanctuary to get in the kids' nursery. And so first year that I was at the sound, I was like, okay, let's, we'll see about this. And so I had to watch my kids. So I, you know, luckily was watching my kid and leaning against the door, just sort of watching the front of the sanctuary and this whole thing going on. And, and I was saying in my heart, I was just, truth be told, I was skeptical and I was just really like, I don't know about all this. But I said in my heart, God, if this is from you, I want it. But if it's man-made, I want nothing to do with it. And I was standing there leaning and this prophet said, this is for you. And I was like, all right, pal, bring it on. <laughs> and he starts speaking these things over me that were personal to my heart. And I was like, oh, okay. And by the end of that weekend, we had four people come in that weekend. By the end of that weekend, all four of them had spoken things over me that if they said it about you, it would have been wrong. And this is the kicker, because God is so good. Pastor Bob McGregor, our, uh, our pastor of this house, in front of the whole church, he put his hand on my shoulder and he said, Craig, you've said in your heart, if it's from God, you want it. And if it's not, you want nothing to do with it. Well, God just wants you to know that it's from him. And I was like, that's unbelievable. That's unbelievable. You can't argue that that's not from God. How would he know to say that? And so prophets that operate in the New Testament, they're not perfect says we see in part and we prophesy in part. But we trust that they're submitting themselves to the Holy Spirit and we trust that God is still present. He's still speaking his word in this day and time. So I would encourage you to show up next weekend, but also continually after that, seeking the Holy Spirit, reign of word, reign of word of God, especially when it comes to trying to make a decision in your life. So I hope that this is really practical for you. If you didn't um, take notes, maybe we can get you a, a picture of that. Um, and there might be more than five, but just consider as you make decisions in your life, you're trying to make a big decision, how many things do I really take into account of making that decision? And, and if, you could, if you could diversify your decision-making portfolio in seeking the will of God, I think that you could really glean his heart and a, a well-rounded, wise decision to make. And that's what guidance is, is seeking God through him, his word, his spirit, and through other people.